What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Shoot or Pass podcast presented by Baseline Times. You can subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, the Ghana app, and pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Baseline Times. And make sure you uh, check out all of our draft coverage and all of our other content on BaselineTimes.com. As you can probably notice, it's not Chevy on the mic today. It's actually me, Robbie, and I'm taking the reins. I don't know if you guys heard, but the new iPhone is out, and Chevy has gotten possession of one and has locked himself in a room with it till further notice. Gabe, on the other hand, will also not be on the pod today. He got called out by our last guest, Tommy Freeze Pops, last week and is out somewhere frantically searching for a microphone, according to my sources. But there's a lot happening in the NBA world, and the show must go on. Free agency is on and popping, and we'll dedicate our next episode to breaking down all of that. But last night, the first 60 picks of the NBA draft were announced, and that's what I want to get to today, because with no March Madness on this season, I haven't seen much of this incoming rookie class, so I've got not one, but two college experts in the house. The first one is host of Baseline MMA and has been leading all of our 2020 NBA draft coverage on BaselineTimes.com, including a live blog with pick-by-pick analysis. He is Cody Ginn. Cody, how are you doing? I know you were up late last night. Yeah, doing good. How about all you guys? Doing good, doing good. Uh, plug in your socials, your pods, anything you're working on real quick. Uh, man, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, all those places under real name status, Cody underscore Gwen. And then, of course, all my written articles online, BaselineTimes.com, including full draft coverage. And then we'll have a look at the big board for next year's draft and some more free agent stuff coming up all throughout the weekend as things get a bit more intense over the next couple of days. Yeah, we've got a lot of content rolling out. And, and you know, we've also got our second guest, who is host of the Big Northeast Pod. And I like to call him the commissioner of the NFL's poor QB League, which you can find content on BaselineTimes.com. John Glowatz, how you doing, Glow? Hey, hey, doing pretty good. Happy to be on the pod. What you got coming up? Uh, I know you're doing a lot of college football stuff right now. Yeah, so pretty much just whatever strikes my fancy, you know, uh, college football stuff, whatever college basketball stuff uh, rolls through. Yeah, pretty, yeah, definitely heavy on the college stuff. Any, anything else that, that may come up, Olympics uh, down the line, that's way down the line. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see whatever's, um, whatever's cool and popping. Cool, cool. Plug your pod, plug your socials. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Big Northeast Podcast, uh, probably best is Twitter, at Pod Northeast. You can find all my content there. Great. And you can find me at Robinhood with an H and a Y on the gram and on Twitter. So let's go ahead and segue into some NBA draft talk. Uh, We're going to go down the list here. We're going to do a shooter pass round. We're going to do a round of studs and duds. And then we're going to do our latest shooter pass, all NBA teams. But first things first, what were your first uh, impressions of the draft? Any big takeaways from this year's draft? I know the draft class was a little weak, and I don't know about you guys, but I just kept refreshing notifications on my phone to see what the heck was going on with Clay Thompson. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll jump in. 
Uh, so first impression, like I guess even before the draft, the interesting thing to me was that this year the draft class was a little bit weaker, but I, I think even more than that, it was like not really related to the world of college basketball very much at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like even the guys that, you know, so obviously a lot of international prospects, but even the guys that played uh, college ball were not so much uh, like on the most, either the like most high profile teams or the or even uh, the teams that were, were doing the best, you know, record-wise uh, this year. You know, we saw no Duke players were drafted. Not that Duke is the end-all, be-all, but no Duke players drafted in the first round. It was like the first time since like 2010 or something like that. Like you, you just look at the, at the top couple of guys. You're you know you're not seeing the you know the blue bloods. You're not seeing UNC or um, you know even I think Gonzaga was was maybe the first. Uh, I guess what you would call like a quasi blue butt that had anybody taken so interesting interesting twist on the draft uh from what from what we often see yeah it, this this draft was a lot different than usual because there was no ncaa tournament and because we feel just so far from when we were actually talking about college basketball and this year's draft is sort of a sign of things to come where we'll start seeing more players that take the non-traditional route of not playing college basketball whether that's overseas whether that's americans going and playing professionally overseas and of course guys taking the g league route will be something we talk a lot more about next year's draft and then high school players probably opting in here in about two years. But it's just a sign of things to come with more guys playing very minimal basketball at the college level and rising up in the draft. And the scouting process was very in-depth this year. The key thing about this year's draft was we didn't know if there was any great players. Still don't know if there's any great players, but there were a lot of good players that you could get all the way into the 20s and 30s and I even really like some second round picks this year so we've seen a lot of trade movement maybe not even as much as I thought we would but still a lot of teams moving around in this year's draft absolutely absolutely all right well let's get right into it our first segment the shoot or pass round our listeners know the deal I will read out some statements Cody Glow, you will shoot if you agree or pass if you disagree first bullet point Shoot or pass, the shortened basketball season has actually helped draft prospects more than hurt them. Now, you guys had already started talking a little bit about this, so uh, let's start with you, Glow. I'm going to shoot that one. I I think particularly for these prospects, it certainly helped them more than it hurt. Obviously, we saw no March Madness. Uh, There was kind of a a phased combine this year, from what I understand. I I don't know the particulars of, of what the teams did with their medical inspections and, uh, and and things like that and, and private workouts and all, and all that sort of thing. But you got to imagine it was lessened than from, from years past, uh, having to go through all, all sorts of different hoops and bells and whistles to, you know, to get to players in person. So I think guys who may have emerged during March Madness or guys who may have emerged during that process would have obviously not. So teams kind of went chalk with, with who was expected to be you know, in the in the top couple of picks, we saw the same thing in the NFL draft. I thought. I mean, there was more so the, the blue bloods of of the college football world. Here is is more so just the the top prospects that that everybody knew about ahead of the year. Shoot or pass, Cody. I'll actually pass. I think while it didn't really affect the top three, I always think there's a few key players that really help their draft stock from what they do in the NCAA tournament and conference tournaments because you get to see them against other usually draft 
eligible competition, especially once you get to the Elite Eight and the Final Four. So again, you know, as we mentioned, as Glow mentioned, a lot of these guys who were drafted high didn't really have anything much to do with the college basketball season. But I think in the middle of that draft, there was a lot of guys, especially from some of those blue bloods, like a Cole Anthony, if he would have been able to get back and North Carolina was able to sneak into the tournament, if Cole Anthony would have been playing and could have had Carolina pull off an upset or two, he could have really rose up and helped his stock. So that would have helped a guy like him and some of the key players from some of those outstanding blue blood teams, the two Kentucky players that fell into uh, post lottery. Those guys could have moved up. Kentucky would have had a nice run in the tournament. So I always think the NCAA tournament is a real big scouting point for NFL scouts and executives because you get to see usually draft prospect against draft prospect. Well, of course, we know it's, that's not always the case in the regular season. So I do think missing the NCAA tournament hurt a lot of guys, especially older players or mid-major players. It always feels like there's one or two guys that really wow you in the NCAA tournament, and then we hear their name called usually in the draft. And I think this year there was a lot more uh, almost at sort of random picks where guys were just sort of taking risks even late in the first round instead of picking proven players due to the fact that we didn't have that NCAA tournament this year. It's going to be interesting to see how this rookie class compares us uh, maybe to like the NF- the incoming NFL rookie class who, you know, obviously they're they're already playing the season, the NFL season's underway, and we, we haven't seen too much of a drop-off in production value, so maybe, maybe they get off the ground running. I guess we'll see. Um, all right. Shoot or pass. The player with the most upside and superstar potential in this year's draft class is not LaMelo Ball. Shoot or pass, Cody? Uh, I will pass. I do think this year's draft, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it's really not loaded with great players. I don't see a lot of superstar potential in this draft. I I put a list on BaselineTimes.com earlier in the week of the players with the most superstar potential over the next three NBA drafts. And the reason I did that is because the 2021 and the 2022 draft, I really could have even went farther and done the 2023 draft. There's a lot of players that are expected to be in those drafts that legit could be the faces of the league here over the next decade. I don't think that's in the 2020 draft, but if you say which one of these players has the chance to become a very good player, a superstar, the best player. I would say LaMelo Ball is one. Now, I'd say he's probably 1A, and James Wiseman is 1B, and then there's a pretty big drop-off. But I do think if I have to pick a player with the most upside, I actually do think it would be LaMelo Ball just based on his scoring ability and his playmaking ability. I think as long as he can adapt to the NBA speed, he'll be the best player to come out of this draft. What about you, Glow? Are you all ball in for this year's draft class? <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm gonna pass that one as well. Uh, wow. And I was I was a fan of the um, of, of the Triple Bs, the, the big baller brand there. Um, oh, you got yourself some big baller brand shoes, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy any of the merchandise. Honestly, I couldn't afford it. Uh, but I did watch probably the- for the best because it took like months to get yeah, around, yeah. right? <laughs> I did watch the show on Facebook for a little while there uh, with my wife. Shout out, Allison. Um, what I so. Back to the question. I do think I agree with with Cody. Uh, highest potential. He's. I think Lamelo is kind of a a low floor, high ceiling type of guy. So high risk, high reward. Uh, so to me, that means he's got the most upside. But I, yeah, I don't know if he is definitely the the best pick because of that. Depends on your risk tolerance, I guess. Shoot or pass. The Washington Wizards got the biggest steal in the draft by selecting Denny Abdia with the ninth pick. Glow, shoot or pass? 
I'm going to pass personally, well, just to keep it real. I don't really follow uh, uh, international ball too much, Euro ball or, you know, whatever you consider um, uh, Israeli uh, players. Uh, but I think to me, I thought the, the biggest steal of the draft was uh, Iowa State point guard Tyrese Halliburton at, at number 12 to the Kings. So just based on that, I'm going to pass. Danny might be a great player and maybe maybe he'll prove me wrong, but I just don't know enough about him to, to say he's a steal of the draft. Cody, what do you think? Well, I 100% agree with Glow that Halle Burton was a huge pickup in the mid part of the draft, so I do pass as well. Uh, the thing about Advia is sort of what we've seen in the early 2000s when you talk the NBA draft. Anytime you have a player come from the international market, everybody from that point on gets compared to him. Every single prospect that was 6'9", 6'8", out of Europe for years was Dirk Nowinski 2.0, the next Dirk. Here's Dirk 2, and it never pans out. So now you have a new superstar in the league with Luka Doncic, and everybody's going to start drawing those comparisons, and that's just not what Avia is. He could end up being a long, tall point forward that's probably going to average 10 to 12 points per game in his peak. So I had a lot of questions about him being a top five. Now, I love the pick to Washington. I think they got him at a great spot. Uh, I don't think he was a top five guy. I think, though, he was a great pickup for Washington. I don't really think it's a steal, though. I think it's just a good pick, and I think he went right where he needed to. I think if he would have went a little bit higher, those expectations are a little bit bigger, and he would never live up to that. you got to remember, this is a guy who is long and tall, but he doesn't have a very good shot. You know, Usually when you hear about these European players, we're talking about ball handling and three-point shooting, and that's not really what Avia is. He's more of a point-forward style who can do a little bit of everything, and he scores better at the rim than he does from the outside. So I think he's a great fit for the Wizards uh, don't necessarily think though it's a very big steal for Washington so who was who do you think got the biggest steal in the draft I think Halliburton's a great call I really I had heard all week long that Halliburton was rising up I thought he may go number four as crazy as that is because Cleveland just picks guard after guard and Chicago's loaded on guards too I thought either one of them would probably not let him get past them so I thought he was someone who would have went four or five so to see him fall the way he did was really shocking all I heard all week was how people were blown away by his interview that he had a lot of passion for the game he was passionate about everything he did so I really thought he could sneak into the to be honest I thought he may even sneak into the top three because I also heard Charlotte really love talking to him so I was really surprised when he fell I, I think Halliburton will be a, a great player and I was really surprised that he fell so I think Sacramento really got a great pick there with Halliburton yeah I gotta agree with that let me ask you guys something because Denny apparently said that he learned English playing Call of Duty any Call of Duty fans here can you actually learn English playing Call of Duty <laughs> you, you know, you can. I, I, so I play quite a bit, but I play only in, or like, audio only within our own group. So I'm not sure if he's talking, if he learned English doing it, he must have been just kind Learning of in like from a, some a, crazy 12 year olds or something. Yeah, like a general <laughs> group chat. So I, I would be looking at him to maybe get into some fights with his teammates within the first couple of months based on that. So, That's <laughs> a know, hot take. A of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of trash talking, a lot of uh, your mom jokes and things like that, I imagine, <laughs> if, if that's where he learned English. So uh, yeah. Watch out for that first couple of months. Of the season. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how good it'll make your English, but I bet his trash talk is on point. Man, he might be the one getting, he might be like the rookie with the most techs in the league then or something. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. All right, shoot or pass. The Boston Celtics should have traded up in the draft to get James Wiseman. Cody, shoot or pass? So I'll pass 
Now, I don't think it would have been a bad move for Boston. It would have been sort of one of those. The thing about Boston is they have so many picks and so many players that are more so reserve style players. They can almost do whatever they want. And that's really where, you know, later on, you'll probably we'll probably talk about winners and losers of the draft. And I'll go ahead and spoil that. I think Boston lost this draft because you have so many picks. You can do so many different things when you have this wider range of draft picks, not just for this year, but for the next few years. And you can move them to do whatever you want. Uh, I don't think they should have traded up for Wiseman because I think Boston's championship ready. So I think they should probably go after some more veteran players and just try to fill these holes. Because, I mean, Boston is right on the cusp of being the best team in the NBA. They're just missing very few things. Don't think James Wiseman would have been that piece of their puzzle. So this, I, I don't think that would have been a great move for them. Now, if they would have done it, I wouldn't have said it was a bad move. But I, I think looking at how they drafted, Wiseman probably wouldn't have been a great fit for them. So I'll pass. So I'm going to shoot this one, I think kind of with a oh. bit of a caveat. So maybe just like a little layup type of a shot okay. here. <laughs> uh, so it, it all depends on what they would need to give up right so you know the nba is obviously a star league boston ended up i think with three picks in the first round if i have that right so anytime if they if they could have traded a couple of those picks and and any sort of asset that's not you know one of their core core guys to get a guy in in james wiseman who might be a superstar i think they should probably do that especially at a position that is is somewhat of of, of need for them i mean uh you know, they, they obviously are right there in the cusp uh, or on the cusp of, uh, of getting into the finals. So it's not like a, a dire need, but I think anytime you can get a star, you do it if, you know, if, the, if the asking price wasn't astronomical. Right. Yeah. I was actually surprised when I saw the Celtics not make the move to trade up or and, and they drafted Aaron Naismith with the 14th pick. I mean, it's not an awful pick. He is the best shooter in the draft. And it's no secret that the Celtics need buckets off the bench, but they already have three elite wings. And I think that they needed a big man or even a backup point guard. So um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I was actually very surprised that they didn't go for a big man. Uh, we had uh, a guest, uh, Tommy Freeze Pops on last week, and he's a diehard Celtics fan. And he said he fell in love with James Wiseman after watching a couple of his games, but even then he wasn't sure if maybe they should just go for a veteran, like Cody said. So we'll, we'll see how this pans out. But um, wow, Cody already calling the Boston Celtics the losers in this draft. I, I can't wait to, to hear more about that in our studs and duds segment. All right, shooter pass. Anthony Edwards making comments about his lack of passion for the game of basketball during an interview is a cause for concern for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Glow, shoot or pass? I'm gonna shoot that again. I think a little little bunny uh, shot here, a little floater maybe. I, I, th I think just because he is the, the number one pick or, or even you know pre-draft, he was, he was expected to go so high. So I'm getting a little nervous with him saying stuff like that. I think if you were gonna take a guy at number one or, or in the, you know, the top three or four, you, you want his, him to be a, a killer mentally. You, know, you want him to be a Kobe or an MJ or something like that. And I don't think it seems like Edwards is there with basketball. You know, he's just, he said, what, what did he say? Something like, you know, that, that basketball, he doesn't love basketball. Football is his first love, something like that. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. said, you know, that if the NFL called, he would take off, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, seems like kind of the mentality that maybe we've seen a lot of these guys that are, are in the bust category that we'll talk about later have. You know, if, if they're just not, they, they don't feel 
the way that yeah that Kobe or MJ or, or any of these guys that are you know so obsessive about the game feel. Now that's not to say that every you know every star player even has to has to be that uh, obsessive. Uh, you know, and this is just maybe an off the hand comment that he that he made to a reporter you know, asking him a question. So you know, I feel like the the bigger the bigger revelation will be like, can he still do the work? You know, like all of us have boring aspects of our jobs or, or, or parts of our jobs that we don't love. So, you know, what do we do? We grind it out. We do the work. We have to, you know, he's a super, you know, superstar. Is he going to be willing to do that? Or, or is he going to say, ah, I don't really care about basketball. So all that, you know, a long-winded way of saying, I'm going to shoot that one a little bit. Well, you sound like one of these corporate people that talk during meetings trying to motivate us during my day job. <laughs> yeah, man, I guess. Like, it, yeah. We're not going to like every aspect of it, but we still need you to find the passion somewhere, somewhere. Pull it out of somewhere. <laughs> right. It gets in your blood. Like you can't, you can't shake it. You're working a corporate job for long enough. You just start picking up the lingo. And he is pretty good at basketball. So maybe basketball just suits him better. Cody, what do you think? Yeah, so if this is a small shot for Glow, this is me doing a 360 dunk. I shoot 100%, oh. and I mean, I'll be honest, this whole draft process, I've been really outspoken because I don't like Anthony Edwards as a top five pick. I, I, wow. I just don't see it, and I think he's got a lot of things going on with his game, with his attitude off the floor. And then he says this, and I'm like, well, that's that's the red flag. Why would you why would you pick him number one? And I had another article this week about Minnesota not taking him because I know he's the type of player the Timberwolves front office liked. And I put out that article just saying that this is a chance for Minnesota to say, you know what, let's not take a risk like we have in the last 20 drafts and mess this up. Let's draft someone like LaMelo Ball who can come in and immediately sort of fit in with what we're doing. Nope, they go Anthony Edwards. And I just don't, I think he will end up being a major bust. I think he's got a better wow. chance of ending up a bust than he does a star. I don't like him at number one. I didn't like him at number two. I didn't like him at number three, four, five. I would have been okay with, but even then I wasn't a huge fan. I just don't like guys that don't have a major passion in that top five spot. And Glow made a good point about us grinding out our jobs, but I think if you're doing a job that you know means you're the greatest at what you do, and if you're in the NBA, you're one of the greatest basketball players on earth, you can't not have a passion for it. And for him, he's still got a lot of things to work on. He's not your normal number one overall pick. He's one of these potential picks. And we've seen this over the years where so many people now will look at your potential over what you can do immediately. And look, if you're Minnesota, I'm not going to draft when I have Carl Anthony Towns and I have D'Angelo Russell and I have a lot of pieces where, I mean, look, Minnesota could legit be a team that's contending for the playoffs in a year or two. I'm not going to pick another project. I'm trading out of that number one spot. I'm not going to draft a guy who still has a lot of things to work on, has an inconsistent jump shot, has inconsistent everything. He doesn't always play defense, doesn't rebound very well. He's not a great one-on-one -on -one defender. He's explosive as can be. Sometimes reminds you of Victor Oladipo and look, there's going to be times that Edwards explodes and has a 23, 24, 25 point game and everybody gets all excited and then he's going to score you know seven points average seven points for the next 10 games that's not a number one pick in my opinion and that's not what the Timberwolves needed so I would have definitely not taken him number one it would have been hard for me to envision him going one two or three I think he would have hurt any team that selected him in the top three and I think Minnesota blew this pick by taking him number one so I definitely shoot that the passion should have been a major red flag See, I don't, I don't think the comments. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I thought maybe the comments might have been a little 
overblown, but the timing of these comments, I mean, right before the draft, that's like if you went out in public and started talking smack about a job that you're applying for <laughs> right before the big interview. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, you, you know, it's not it's not the smartest thing. He also outright, okay, so apparently he has aspirations to be a rapper and he called out Damian Lillard, who also has like a little side hustle as a rapper. Never um, a good idea. Never a good idea. Absolutely terrible idea to call out Damian Lillard. I mean, just ask Paul George and Patrick Beverly. Um, you know, Cody, I, I, even, even though I think these comments were overblown, I kind of have to agree with you. I think Anthony Edwards might be Andrew Wiggins 2.0. I would go farther and say Anthony Bennett 2.0. Ooh. Ooh. Ouch. Wow. Hot takes left and right from both of you today. All right. Shooter pass. The biggest surprise pick of this year's draft was... Patrick Williams going to the Chicago Bulls with the fourth pick in the draft. Cody, shoot or pass? Uh, I'll shoot. I do think it's a surprise. I don't think it's a big reach. I think once you got outside the top three, picks four through uh, 18, maybe even through 20, were really interchangeable to A, how you scouted, B, what you needed, and C, what you were looking for, whether you needed help right now or whether you were going to try to build a prospect. Patrick Williams is a prospect. You got to remember, this guy did not start in college. I mean, that's where we're at in terms of seeing that potential of these scouts looking way in depth and things. He didn't start at Florida State, but he is very unique in his skill set. I mean, there's major potential there. Uh, he could be a key role player this year just with his length and the way he can do pretty much everything pretty good. He's not really going to blow up overnight. I don't think he's going to become a superstar for you anytime over the next year or two. But as he develops, he could become a big player for Chicago. And Chicago, they didn't need a guard. If they would have drafted a point guard or even a shooting guard, I mean, people would have lost their minds. But really, you don't need a big either. So this was what they needed. Now, small forward was really interchangeable in the draft as well. They could have went anywhere with that three position. And picking the 18-year-old freshman with you know a bigger upside than some of the other guys, I, I like the pick. But I do think it was a bit surprising. I didn't think we'd hear Patrick Williams' names over guys like Oroko or over game or over a name like top and i think he would fall behind those guys but it just goes to show that chicago's sort of accepting hey we're probably not winning this year so let's get us a guy we can build with and sort of put in this young nucleus and see what happens and let him grow as a player so i like the pick but i do think it was one of the biggest surprise in the draft shooter pass glow so i'm gonna pass that one i i thought it was a surprise but not the biggest surprise but to me the the biggest surprise was jalen smith uh, going number 10 to the Suns. So I think that was, you know, he was projected around the late teens, maybe t early 20s. So yeah, he, he jumped up a good 10, 12 spots. So I thought that might have been the, the bigger surprise. Although, as as Cody mentioned, it, you know, it all depends on, on how you scout and, and who you like. Uh, but to be honest, I kind of like both picks, at least at least to an extent. Uh, Williams kind of reminded me of his story uh, of a different guy named, named Williams. Not not similar players at all, but it was Marvin Williams, who was a uh, a sixth man for the uh, UNC Tar Heels back in twenty or two thousand five or so, who also never started, uh, ended up uh, getting drafted, I think, in the in the lottery, and uh, had a fifteen year NBA career. Uh, was never a superstar, but certainly not bad to you know, to play in the in the league fifteen years. I don't know if uh, if Patrick Williams would be would be happy with that or not, but. Uh, 
it shows that the the route can be done there. It's not like completely unprecedented. And uh, yeah, and Jalen Smith is is a prospect I liked coming out of Maryland. You know, uh, tall, kind of a little bit lanky, uh, big man. You know, can can block the shot, can you know, can dunk it. Needs a little bit of work, you know, a little refinement um, on, on a lot of the skill parts of the game shooting and, and passing and such uh but I, I certainly like the pick i thought that he should have been projected higher than 10 which is why I, i'm sorry higher than than 20 or so which is why i was pleasantly surprised when he went at 10. Hey, shoot or pass the cleveland cavaliers should have drafted obi toppin over isaac okoro glow shoot or pass I'm gonna shoot that one. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was kind of predestined almost, you know. <laughs> the Cavs seem to have have had this destiny thing going ever since LeBron came into the league. Uh, but the, you know, the Dayton kid, at least uh, in in terms of which college he went to, uh, you know, is is a stud. Absolutely, just dunking the ball all over the place was was kind of the story. One of you know, one of the main stories of the year. You know how ESPN always picks like one or two guys to follow around. He was kind of the guy last year out of Dayton, which should should tell you something. Uh, I know he is a bit older. I think he's 22 or so, so he's a bit older than a lot of the draft process, prospects. And he didn't get recruited by a major college, but I think that was mostly due to his uh, extremely late growth spurt, which I think was in, you know, during his senior year of, uh, of high school. You're saying he, he never could even dunk a basketball before that, which is unheard of for most of these prospects. So I think he's going to be a stud. I think that... Yeah, the Cavs or you know anybody should have maybe not anybody, but outside of maybe the top three, he should have been any any of those teams probably should have taken a harder look at him, and, and definitely the Cavs should have drafted him at, at their spot. Shooter pass, Cody. So with this one, I'm gonna pass. And when I look at the small forward position, as I mentioned with, with Patrick Williams, I really had him very, very close. I thought all the small forwards that were really on that top 10, top 15 big board were, were very close in skill. Of course, Patrick Williams, you got more of the upside to look at high energy athlete who probably will end up being the best of all the players. Isaac Oroko, what you get with him is a versatile defender who can play defense for you literally today. If the, if the team started today and they needed someone to guard a good shooting guard or a good three, Oroko can go out there and probably ha- handle himself right now. He may not be able to stop you know, someone like Jason Tatum or a key or you know a Giannis, but he's going to hold his own. He's got that kind of skill defensively. And then you look down at Toppin, what you get with Toppin is offense. So you're getting the offense. You're going to get a guy who could probably lead a team in scoring within the next year or two. I mean, he is an explosive offensive player, but he's going to hurt you defensively. So it goes back to what we said in the last segment, what you're looking for. You're looking for an offensive guy. Look, if you needed offense, I mean, Toppin should have. I mean, look, Toppin's 20 years old, 19 years old, or 18 years old. He's your clear-cut number one overall pick. Being 22 holds him back, which is a crazy thing to say, but that's just how the NBA works. He is a great scorer. He's one of the best scorers to come out in the draft in a long time. He's a guy who will probably end up having many games this year where he leads New York in scoring. I like him better than many of the players already on New York, including R.J. Barrett. I think he's a better overall scorer than R.J. Barrett. So I think these guys go to a right place. Cleveland needed both offense and defense. So if they would have picked Toppin, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But I do like them going defense here. I mean, they get a guy who can really be a great defensive player. I think when you look at defense throughout the top 10 picks, Oroko's a guy who could one day be one of the best defenders, period, in the NBA. So I do like that pick. So uh, I'm fine with, with the choice. I think they're really interchangeable. So I'll pass. I like the defense over offense pick by Cleveland. Yeah, I'm basically obligated to say that I, I like the pick 
uh, by the Cleveland Cavaliers to pick Isaac Okoro because my boyfriend is a diehard Auburn fan. Uh, I can't say anything bad about Auburn or any of their picks. So job well done on that draft pick, Cleveland. Job well done. Hi, honey. (laughs) All right. Shoot or pass with up to 15 first round draft picks. And this might have changed. We might have to look this up again because OKC has been making so many moves. With up to 15 first round draft picks through the 2026 NBA draft, the OKC Thunder are best positioned to build a future contender. Cody, you were talking about the future draft classes here, so I'm just going to jump right to you. Shoot or pass? So I love the situation that Oklahoma City finds themselves in, but I'll pass because I do think that they're right there with Boston and New Orleans, and I would almost favor still a team like Boston over Oklahoma City because they have so many players. I mean, I feel like Boston's got 35 players on their roster. Like, how do they have so many players? So they can make some package deals, which will help them in future drafts. I did not love this draft. Uh, I I didn't see a lot of potential. I I do think there are some players that are good, but no players that are great. But once you get to next year's draft, you start seeing players that can literally, and I'm not even being one of these crazy out of my head guys. I think there's literally some players in these next few drafts that can become the face of the NBA. You start talking Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green, and then you go down the line and you get to Jaden Hardy and Chet Holmgren, and then you get to Amani Bates, who a lot of people are already starting the comparisons to Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and all that. Don't know if we'll go that far yet since this dude still a junior in high school, but those are guys who can legit become superstars, and some of the guys maybe that people don't even know yet. Guys like Brandon Boston Jr., uh, guys like Jonathan Kuminga, guys like Jalen Johnson. Even if you want to go international player, I said everyone gets the comparison now to, you know, the old school Dirk Nowitzki comparison. Now everybody's Luka Doncic. Well, if you want to look for your next international sensation, you need to learn the name Victor Wimbanyama because that's a guy who will come in, be a top three pick here in a few years, and is literally amazing to watch. Think think Chet Holmgren with a better jump shot. That's who Wimbanyama is. So these are guys that are coming in the drafts over the next three years. Those are the guys that these teams are stockpiling picks for because what you're going to create is a package. Now, Oklahoma City is not built to be the worst team in the NBA over the next few years. But if they have four first-round picks, two first-round picks the next year, they can create packages to send a trade offer to whoever the worst team is. Maybe that's Charlotte. Maybe that's Cleveland. Maybe that's Chicago. Maybe that's Minnesota still since they can't draft anybody in a correct way. So you can create a package, and Oklahoma City is going to be one of the best teams to do that. But what Boston can say is, you know what, maybe a guy like Jalen Brown's not working out for us, you know? So maybe we're going to include him in this package, but we also have three first-round picks this year, a first-round pick next year, and a first-round pick in 2026. Here's you a super package for the number one overall pick in the 2022 draft. Then Boston gets a superstar, and Boston's set up for a dynasty. I always think having just draft picks holds you back a little bit. If you have a couple players that you can move around, you're better set. So I like Boston and New Orleans over Oklahoma City because I still don't really think they have the player pieces that are going to be intriguing to teams. While New Orleans, you know, they're starting to get a few more players here and there. Uh, so, you know, if you can keep Zion happy and keep him healthy in a year or two, New Orleans can create a package where they're going to be able to get the next big thing as well. So, I mean, you can just, you know, if you want to get crazy, you can think Zion Williamson is going to be your star forward and then you're going to make a move and get Cade Cunningham. I mean, that right there, with two young players, you fill in veterans around them too. 
Next thing you know, New Orleans could be the next team we're talking about as a dynasty. That's how high I think of guys like Cade Cunningham in these next couple of drafts. So I love what Oklahoma City is doing, but I do think just picks holds them back a little bit. So I don't think they have the best future. I do think they have the top three. So I'll pass, but I do really love what Oklahoma City is doing. What do you think, Glow? Shoot or pass? Yeah, I'm passing that one. I mean, just based on the simple fact that they're not a, a premier destination, they're a small market team. You know, they can have as many first round draft picks as they want, and they're not going to keep those guys. They're not going to get reagents in. I mean, maybe they'll keep some of them. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll keep Westbrook. So maybe they'll keep one out of one out of four. You know, so they if they end up drafting the next KD, Harden, Ibaka, and, and Westbrook, then they, you know, three of them are leaving right away. And then the fourth one is going to leave when you realize you can't win a ring there. So I'm passing, you know, the, the, the shit of it is for me that uh, they'd be in a much better spot if they had just stayed in Seattle. RIP Supersonics. I wish they uh, <laughs> would either yeah, move back they or... they should have, huh? They really yeah. should have stayed out there. Or maybe they'll, you know, we'll have an expansion team out there. I mean, that's like... If, yeah, if they if they want to win, if they want to be in the best position to build the next contender or, or whatever the exact question was, yeah, move back to Seattle. That's my advice. That's the answer to everything regarding OKC. Move to move back to Seattle, please. Yeah, I mean, then again, you you can't you can't automatically discount the OKC Thunder because you know this is a team that drafted KD, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook, and you know even though. They didn't keep any of them in the long term. You know, they they still managed to even make it to the playoffs last year when they were projected to tank. So we'll see what happens. I, I feel like Sam Presti always has something up his sleeve. You know, he's kind of like, it's it's Sam Presti, Danny Ainge, and now Daryl Morey in Philadelphia that are always making moves left and right. So we'll see what happens there. Studs and duds. All right, let's move on to our next segment. Studs and duds are back. We are going to name our biggest winners and losers from last night. Whether they are players, teams, NBA analysts, everyone and everything is in play. Glow, who is your stud of the 2020 NBA draft? So I went with uh, James Wiseman here. I think he basically fell to, or not fell, but went to the the best situation possible. Maybe not completely possible, but went to a great situation for him in the Warriors. Albeit, now we hear the news today about about Clay, um, Clay Thompson um, mm-hmm. and his and his uh, was Achilles. So basically, yeah. he's gonna be out the next year. But I mean, that's okay for for Wiseman here. I mean, he's he's not gonna be the uh, the end all be all next year. You know, he's gonna it's gonna take a, a year or two or three to uh, to really come into his own. But I think that's that's fine. We'll have. He'll have great tutelage. He's going to have you know, top-notch uh, medical staff. He's going to have some of the best coaching and, and leadership in in terms of both like both Steve Kerr as well as the leadership from the players in in Curry and and Clay and, and Draymond. So I, I think he's he's just in an absolutely great position. And and you know how how often can you come into the league as a number two pick and be within a year or maybe with Clay's injury two years? Uh, be contending for for championships potentially. Yeah, I mean, pressure, no pressure, right? Because he's probably going to have to take on a little bit of a bigger role now. Yeah, well, definitely bigger than he took on at Memphis, since he only was able to play three games <laughs> before he <laughs> he got uh, I don't know what you would call it, suspended, expelled, or you know whatever for Penny Hardaway playing paying for his moving costs when he was a high school junior senior. 
let's let's not even get into that because that's a whole other thing that we can probably spend a lot of time talking about, right? Uh, all right, Cody, who's your stud of the 2020 NBA draft? So I'm going to go with a team that always flies under the radar, but now they've put together two straight great drafts, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, you know, when you get to the draft, especially a draft like this, where we didn't have really a full college basketball season, at least in terms of the tournament, scouting's been sort of chaotic because you can't really travel, can't get all these guys in a gym, can't play five on five, hard to get overseas to see international players. This was a draft where you had a lot of people picking guys they didn't know a lot about or thinking too much and overthinking their draft. Memphis, again, just just takes the best player on the board, uh, like they've done year after year in terms of making moves to get key players like Brandon Clark. Of course, John Morant's becoming a superstar. You got Jaron Jackson Jr. who's coming to his own. Dylan Brooks is now starting to show out. And then you go get a guy like Desmond Bain. And, and Desmond Bain is, is such a unique player who is built just NBA ready body. He shoots great from three. I think he was over 40% at TCU. He's a great defensive player, but as we mentioned with Toppin earlier, if you're 22 years old, that's the equivalent of being like 45 in real life. Like you're just too old and people start passing on you because you're old and it makes no sense. Desmond Bain will come in and immediately help Memphis and then later on in the draft, they stay put. They don't move around too much and who falls right into their lap but Xavier Tillman. Who's Xavier Tillman? Well, he's a 21-year-old who played a lot at Michigan State. He even seems older than he is because he's been around for a long time. And if you go to Michigan State, everyone just assumes you've been there for 10 years. That's how it is when you play for Tom Izzo. Tillman's another great prospect who sets amazing screens. Who loves great screens? Ja Morant. He's going to go right around there, and Tillman's going to float to the basket. Tillman got to play uh, with Cassius Winston. Winston was a great pick-and-roll player. Ja Morant is an even better pick-and-roll player. So Xavier Tillman is a second-round pick. I think that's 35th overall. This will be a guy who makes that Memphis roster and contributes right away, as will Bain. Memphis is putting together a great unit by just drafting smart, by just taking the right players available at the right time. I think Memphis comes out of this draft way better than they entered. So I love what the Grizzlies did last night. And they they kind of need to just hit all the marks because the West, even with clay out, the West is going to be extremely competitive. So do you think Memphis makes the playoffs this year with this with with these draft picks? As long as they stay healthy and John Morant doesn't hit a sophomore slump, you always got to wonder about the sophomore slump. I think, you know, John Morant, we had a lot of questions last year entering the draft about his frame. And we hear a lot of guys talk about, you know, need to put on weight being too skinny. John Morant used that to his ability. His ability to move in and out of traffic, to weave his body around defenders was so fun to watch last year. I think if he continues that trend, but is also still developing, having a good offseason and, and still putting on that weight, I think Memphis would be a really good team to think, not just the playoffs, but possibly as a five or six seed moving on up. I think they're just built so well. I really like well-rounded teams over these star-driven teams. So, you know, the Clay Thompson injury is a huge thing because I thought James Wiseman, along with a healthy Golden State team, would overtake the Lakers as the top team in the West. Now I'm not so sure. I still think the Lakers are a team to watch. But a lot of those teams that made the playoffs last year that have had this short offseason, I think they'll struggle a bit in the beginning. And a team that's a little bit nitty-gritty like Memphis, they'll have a very great month of December and January because those guys are juiced up, healthy, full of energy, ready to go. So I think the start of the season will look good for Memphis, and I do think they'll be a playoff team. Wow, five or six seed for Memphis. Hold on, I'm I'm very intrigued now. Give me your give me your playoff seeds for for the West. You got I know you got Lakers at one. 
So I would look at the Lakers at number one. I, I think Warriors will still be in contention there. I, I think they'll be... I think the Warriors will end up being more of like a two or a three, depending on how they shoot. Another team I'm really interested to see sort of how they develop will, will be Dallas. I think Dallas is a team with Don Chicken, depending on how they build around, they'll be a team that's also right there in the mix to make the playoffs again. Uh, how about this one? I'll throw this one for a while. How about New Orleans? I think New Orleans will be a team oh. that makes some noise in the West as well. And then I still like a lot of your more Is Zion getting teams. in shape? Is that what you're saying? Zion's getting a trainer and a chef and everything? He's going to be in tip-top shape? As long as Zion stays healthy, I don't really mind what kind of shape he's in. If he's healthy <laughs> and on the floor, he's going to make a big impact. And then I think this is the year Portland has to get over the hump. I think Portland has okay. to put things together this year. You got to start you got to start pulling that part of team a little bit. You can't have the same nucleus for five, six, seven, eight years in a row and always be comfortable with finishing seventh or eighth in the conference. They got to put it together this year. I think Houston's also a team to keep right there, but I, I hold off on Houston because we don't have any idea what they'll look like next year. So Houston, if they keep kind of the same core, they'll be around there as well. But I mean, there's a good chance that gets blown up sometime here over the next month. Well, James Harden supposedly wants to get out, so we'll see. What do you think about the Suns? They went 8-0 in the bubble. You think they carry that momentum on into next season? I, I, I do love the I love them acquiring Chris Paul. I would like to see them maybe get one of these talented small forwards in the draft. I think they'll be more like an 8 seed. I don't think they'll put it together as well as they did at the end of the regular season. I need to see more from DeAndre Ayton. I got to see if he's healthy right now. I mean, that's the reason they draft someone like Jalen Smith. That tells me they're not fully confident that Ayton's going to be available the entire season. So you draft someone like Jalen Smith, you have a better rotation there at your center position. So I want to see how that looks. If Paul plays like he did last year, because I mean, Chris Paul had a very, very good 2019, 2020 season. He really season. Maybe did, even, yeah. Maybe even underrated for how good he played. Yeah. If he's anything like that, I think Phoenix will definitely be a playoff team. But you have to start looking at his age and, and health and everything and think that he may fall off just a bit. And if Phoenix doesn't get off to a good start, you're obviously going to have a disgruntled Devin Booker who's going to start wanting out. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and I just saw earlier, I got a notification that the Warriors are looking into Kelly Oubre. So we'll see how, you know, still a lot of moving parts. But oh, yeah. I know we got a we got a we got a little off track here. But I was very intrigued when you popped up with that Memphis five or six seed in the West next season because I know the West is going to be very tough, very competitive, and you know it's going to be very exciting. I'm going to jump in here and and throw in a stud. What do you guys think? Can I can I throw in a stud here? Yeah, by all means. All right, all right. So I'm also going to go with a team, and I'm going to go with a team that has been mediocre for a very long time. They've got a new GM in front office, and I got to say, new GM, front office, they, they made some pretty good picks. The Detroit Pistons got three top 20 picks. They got Killian Hayes, a young playmaker that they desperately needed. They got Isaiah Stewart, a mid-first rounder they acquired while absorbing Trevor Ariza's expiring contract, who seems to have a lot of potential. They got Sadiq Bey. Regarded as the best small forward in college basketball, something they also needed. And they did so by only really giving up Luke Kennard, who wasn't really panning out for them and was on an expiring contract anyway. They also managed to sell the Lakers' 2021 second rounder to Houston for $4.6 million. I think that's a pretty big return there for that pick. Uh, very impressed. 
Um, I was uh, going through social media and, and, you know, checking out the NBA draft and, and seeing what people were tweeting. And a lot of Detroit fans are very, very happy. Uh, a lot of them were also in disbelief. They're like, wow, we didn't screw this up. We didn't screw up another draft. So, yeah, stud Detroit Pistons. Going to be curious to see how these pieces all fit together with uh, Blake Griffin, who's coming back. And, and, yeah, we'll see. I don't know if they make it to the playoffs or anything, but, yeah, it was it a was, uh, good draft for them. Um, I have I have a really quick one. Uh, so Cole Anthony, I really liked uh, the pick by the Magic there. I think he's going to be a stud. Was kind of slept on, had a like a, a super tumultuous uh, freshman year at UNC. Got injured. UNC was terrible, but he was basically their whole team. I think he's going to be a stud. I think I know you know obviously we have a lot of Magic fans that are involved with with the baseline time, so I think they're going to be very happy with with the pick. We'll have to. Uh... See if Chevy comes out of the room he's locked in with his brand new iPhone to get his thoughts on that. Uh, we'll we'll follow up. We'll follow up. All right, let's let's go over our duds. Who who were the people or the teams or, or, or groups that had a bad draft night? Uh, Glow, who's your dud of the NBA? So, <laughs> I've went a little different here. My dud it was a, a guy I really like, a player I really like in in Obi Toppin, uh, but I put oh. him as a dud. Specifically huh. because he got drafted by the Knicks, and the Knicks are trash. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there, the Knicks are a perma dud as long as James Dolan is is the owner. So I, I just gotta hope for Obi's sake that he he ends up getting out of New York, or, or at least out of out of the Knicks. And uh, and and I hope you know he has a great career, but but as long as Dolan's there, they're not gonna be able to develop him. They're not gonna put the right pieces around him. Something's gonna happen where they're gonna mess it up. So. That's that's my dud. Knicks fans at Big Northeast Pod on Twitter. <laughs> hey, that's where you can they reach know. this guy. <laughs> they, I'm not telling them anything new. They know already. <laughs> I, Obi seemed pretty pretty happy to be going to New York though. He was like, yeah, crying I mean, that's, a, that's a hometown thing for him. You know, obviously he's from New York, so I imagine it's a dream come true. I hope it doesn't end up being something bad. You know, bad for him in that like. A lot of times guys go to their hometown team and, and they end up, you know, being around people that the, you know, they grew up with who aren't great influences and, and it's too much of a distraction and yada, yada, yada. And then they need a second act in another city. Um, so I hope I hope none of those things happen. I hope I'm, I'm completely wrong about this. I, I really do. But I just I just I never like anything the Knicks do. <laughs> Whoa. Wait, who's your favorite <laughs> NBA team then? So I'm I'm NBA agnostic, really. Um, oh, I, okay. I was a Nets fan. I grew up in Jersey. When they moved to Brooklyn, I I swore off of them. So I'm just kind of floating in the ether. I have a lot of Knicks friends you know, growing up in Jersey, um, and and they like I said, they already know. They most of them are are more pessimistic about the Knicks than than I am, honestly. Oh, okay. All right. I was gonna say, Glow is stirring the pot on this pod. <laughs> okay. Well. Cody, who's your dud of the NBA draft? All right, I, I'm getting warmed up here because I might just let loose. Minnesota. Oh, please let oh, loose. Go ahead. God. Go ahead. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand how year after year after year after year after year you can get it wrong. I just don't understand. Carl Anthony Towns got a big asterisk next to his name because he sort of got it right, but that dude wants out of Minnesota so bad it's killing him inside. And he's probably a year away from getting out of there because they messed this draft up too. All you had to do was do one of two things. You draft LaMelo Ball, who's the best player available, and it either works or it don't. But nobody can say anything because that's the best player available. Or 
you trade out of the pick. I know there was teams asking about it because teams would move up to the number one pick just because you get to say it's the number one pick. I know they were getting phone calls, and I don't know why you turn them all down if you don't really want Anthony Edwards. Minnesota had showed signs all through this long offseason for them that they weren't really big on Anthony Edwards. Then Anthony Edwards shoots himself in the foot by coming out and saying, you know what, Dallas Cowboys call me tomorrow. I'm going to play football. So next thing you know, I mean, that should be right there. Go, well, maybe we don't need a guy with not a lot of passion since we're already a team full of guys who don't have a lot of passion. What did Jimmy Butler say? The locker room full of guys who are just there because they're there, because they can play basketball. They don't care. They're fine being the worst team in the league every single year. Minnesota should have drafted LaMelo Ball because if there's one thing we know about LaMelo Ball is that he likes to play basketball. I mean, this dude's been a star since he was 15 years old, and it's just the right pick to make, and it's something Minnesota does over and over again. I mean, you take Chris Dunn over Buddy Hill and Jamal Murray. You take Trey Burke over C.J. McCollum. You take Derek Williams over Inez Cantor, Kimball Walker, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, and then you go way back to 2009, and now you don't take one. You take two point guards over Steph Curry, and one of them being Johnny Flynn. Who the hell's Johnny Flynn out of Syracuse? <laughs> no, nobody thought he was going to be a superstar. We all know Ricky Rubio would average 14 assists, but he can't score. You don't need to draft him. You draft someone like Steph Curry. Sometimes when we look back on these draft things, you kind of shake your head because we don't know how good guys are. Everybody knew Steph Curry would at least be a flame-throwing three-point shooter. That's a risk you take. Derek Williams was a project. You didn't need a project back in 2011. You needed a good player. Who's a good player? Kimball Walker. Why are you not taking him? I just don't understand how they make these decisions and how they continuously get it wrong. It's almost like they're doing it on purpose. Like, why do you want to continue to be so bad? Unless they have this plan that they're going to have the number one pick next year and they're the number one pick the next year and they're going to get some of these big players we've talked about. But at this point, I think Imani Bates could be on the board and they'll end up taking some 23-year-old from Michigan State at number one because that's just what they do. It's It was the one draft that they, they shouldn't have got it wrong because it was an easy pick. There was one player in this draft, maybe two players in this draft, that really had a high ceiling. They didn't need a center, so you cross James Wiseman off the list, and you have LaMelo Ball. You draft him. It's that. You just draft him, and then you just let things play out. You have D'Angelo Russell, but we all know D'Angelo Russell probably not going to be a superstar. He's just a really good player. You also probably know he's not going to be there for more than two more years. He probably doesn't even make it through the rest of this year. He's probably getting moved sometime this year just because Minnesota's, again, not going to be very good. Carl Anthony Towns, I mean, if this team gets off to a start, if they start the season 2-10, and 10, Carl Anthony Towns is going to walk in that front office and go, I'm done. Like, you have to move me. I am not going to waste my prime years here because that dude has potential to be the best sitter in basketball. I still believe that. I still believe that Carl Anthony Towns, without question, could easily be the best center in the NBA if in the right situation. Minnesota is the wrong situation for any player right now. Uh, Glow's talking about the New York Knicks. I would take the New York Knicks four days right now over some of the things <laughs> Minnesota's doing. I, I mean, I think Obi Toppin was a, a great pick because that dude's probably going to lead New York in scoring this year. I mean, he may be the guy that can at least, you know, win some awards or be a headline player in the biggest market in basketball. I mean, I would if I was a key player, it's almost like the situation with the New York Jets and Trevor Lawrence. I'm going back to school. I'm not going to the Jets. That's how I am as an NBA prospect. If I'm in Monty Bates and they say, you know what, man, you can come right out of high school and go to the NBA. Awesome. Who's got the first pick? Minnesota. Here I come, Michigan State, because I'm not going to the NBA yet. That's how I feel about Minnesota after what they did again last night. At Cody 
underscore Yin for the Minnesota Timberwolves front office. Come after him. Instagram, Twitter. That's that's who you got. That's your guy. <laughs> Maybe hire him. He might fix your team up. Draft the right people uh, instead of the say, wrong ones. <laughs> I would at least draft a little better, but I don't know about anything else, but I would draft a little better. <laughs> Woo. Boy, tell them how you really feel. No, I, I, you know, I agree with a lot of that. And, you know, maybe they prove us wrong. They probably won't. Um, I'll throw in my dud. Um, I, I'm going, I'm, I'm shifting gears a little bit. I'm, I'm going in a different direction here. My dud of the 2020 NBA draft is the ESPN broadcast. Listen, I get they scrambled to get this production put together at the last minute, but it's like Ryan Russillo said on his podcast. It felt like a Good Morning America show with all the tearjerker stories and lack of actual analysis. Which is why, you know, I went on BaselineTimes.com and checked out Cody's live blog instead. But mm -hmm. anyway, they, they took forever to get to the picks because they were just talking and rambling on about nonsense. And I was getting notifications from Woj who is an ESPN employee on the picks before they were officially announced on TV. I learned nothing about how most of these guys would be good fits for the teams they were getting drafted to. I was very confused because I was getting notifications on my phone about trades happening before it seemed like ESPN even knew about it. I mean, John they had John Calipari on and he had to correct them and tell them that Emmanuel quickly got traded to the Knicks. I mean, yikes. Look, I work for ESPN as my day job. Please don't fire me. I love you, Mickey Mouse. You're my lord and savior. But <laughs> yikes. Not a very good broadcast. Could do a little better. Yeah, I just didn't understand it because of all the years you need to tell us about these prospects. This is the year. I mean, we just 100% your, your casual fans and even most of your diehard fans don't know a lot about these players because A, we've not heard their names in almost a full year and yep. B, for some of these international guys, I mean, we, we just don't know them and yet we maybe get a, a one minute graphic of them doing a couple things in some pickup game, you know, somebody using a GoPro camera and, and then it was about, you know, how their brother, sister, mother grew up watching their favorite NBA team on some big box TV with antennas. Like, man, I, I want to know why they were taken with the fourth pick. I mean, they never went into any detail last night, but uh, that's why you should just join the live blog in the future. There you go. If you didn't do that last night, learn your lesson for next year and, and make sure you check out all of our draft co coverage, mainly by Cody on BaselineTimes.com. Shoot or pass all NBA teams. All right, let's move on to our... Final segment of the show. It's time to name some all NBA teams. Um, this week, the category that we're going to be doing is all NBA draft busts. Now, it's worth pointing this out. We're, we're not trying to shit on any of these guys, or we might be for some of them, but you know, we are aware that some of these busts found themselves in environments or in bad environments or under circumstances that were beyond their control. But that doesn't change the fact that they were busts. So we're just going to name our draft, our all NBA draft bus teams. And, you know, if you guys don't agree with us, you know, our socials, we'll keep repeating it so you guys can come after us. Great. All right. So Glow, we'll start with you. Name your all NBA draft bus team. Give us your, your starting five. Sure. So, First, I'll, I'll put a little caveat in. I, I went like during my lifetime because I can't really keep up with the players who were busts uh, like back in the 70s and, and before. Oh, yeah. um, I, I was doing a little research for this and I, I saw there was a guy named LaRue Martin in, in 1972. 
um, who is a big time bust, apparently taken ahead of Dr. J. Uh, but I won't include him because uh, it just, I would just be reading off of you know what somebody else wrote. Um, you're not that old, is what you're yeah. telling us. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that old. Anyway, <laughs> so my, my five is, is probably going to be similar to to your guys' five. So in no particular order, I'm going Sam Bowie, who was ahead of the likes of Jordan Barkley, Stockton, and some others. Um, Kwame Brown. Weak draft that year, but he was ahead of Tyson Chandler, Powell, Jason Richardson, Joe Johnson, Zach Randolph. Um, Darko, who ended up having a, a decent career, um, but was taken ahead of the likes of Mello, D-Wade, and, and um, oh, Bosch. Bosch was the other one. Uh, Anthony Bennett, who we touched on before. Te- you know, terrible draft, weak draft, but he was like historically bad. Bounced out of the league in, I think it was four years, something like that. Uh, and then, and then my fifth one here was uh, I'm probably going to butcher the name, but uh, Michael Bolo Wakandai. Um, hasn't haven't said his name or heard about him since '98 or so when he was drafted ahead of Dirk, Paul Pierce, Vince Carter, and Mike Bibby. So that's my top five. Didn't include any guys who were were taken away for injury or or anything like that. Um, so top five busts. Okay. Okay. All right, Cody, what's your all NBA draft bus team? So my list is very similar, almost pretty much exactly the same, with just the exception oh. to the one thing I didn't do here was include guys that got hurt. So a lot of people like to throw in uh, Greg Oden or uh, the Duke J. Will. Didn't include them because, I mean, that's just sort of a never-know status. Included guys that we got to see a lot of. The first one, though, I will go into detail about because I actually did a lot of research on him about three or four years ago for uh, some kind of documentary we were doing on Bleacher Report. We did a, a thing about him, but it was LaRue Martin. He was the number one pick in 1972. Uh, this dude was built much different than guys were in the early 70s over seven foot tall he was a little over 200 pounds but he's built like you see a lot of the big men nowadays he had potential to come in and really change the nba and that's what you know he was supposed to do with portland in the early 70s and uh, instead he, he was terrible couldn't even block shots so a seven foot tall guy in the 70s that couldn't block shots uh you're also seven foot tall in the 70s which means you did not leave the paint still didn't shoot over 40% from the field. Uh, He's probably one of the biggest busts in NBA history, but kind of what Glow talked about since that was so back in the 70s when, you know, we didn't keep up with the draft. The draft wasn't near as big of a deal. Uh, He really goes under the radar. He should. He's one of the biggest busts of all time that should be above some other key names. The next one I'll go with is old Adam Morrison. Adam Morrison, who was taken number three overall in 2006, was a fan favorite in Gonzaga. He was so fun to watch. He was so full of passion. We've talked about guys who don't have passion. Morrison was the opposite. He had so much. And some of his best all-time games were against high-level competition in college in the NCAA tournament. But yet, when he got to the NBA, it just all fell apart. He was terrible his rookie year. Then he started getting hurt a lot. and ended up winning some titles with the Lakers. But I think Charlotte really wanted him to become the face of their franchise like he was at Gonzaga. And he was so bad in the NBA. It's hurt a lot of other Gonzaga players when they've come to the NBA. It seems like a lot of Gonzaga guys, their draft stock falls. And I always go back to people saying, well, think about what happened to Adam Morrison. Uh, next up, I'll go Kwame Brown. Look, bonafide scrub. Can't play. Small hands, slow feet, like Stephen A. said. Uh, a guy who would be higher on the list, and I think it's a bad rep sometimes because he was in the league for a, a pretty long time. They just kept him around, and I think a lot of times people would look at the film and go, there's something there, there's something there. Man, there was nothing there. He was not very good overall. He was immature all the way up into his mid-20s. Got to remember, this guy came right out of high school. He was the number one overall pick. He was Michael Jordan's guy. 
uh, yeah, this is probably that should have been a sign of Michael Jordan's tenure in the front office because it's nothing like his tenure as a player. Uh, so Kwame Brown, you don't need a lot of detail there. Everybody sort of knows the story with him. Uh, next up, I go Anthony Bennett. And look, I don't know if it's the first name, but I just think Anthony Edwards reminds me a lot of Anthony Bennett. 2013 was a year where there just really wasn't that crazy good prospect that just grabbed you and said, pick me. And Cleveland said, uh, you know, let's flip a coin. All right, Anthony Bennett's our top pick. And guess what? He didn't have a lot of passion for the game. He was undersized to be a four, didn't shoot well, wasn't quick enough to be a three. Cleveland said, well, we don't know what to do with you. And Anthony Bennett said, well, I don't care what you do with me because I'm not really having a good time. Washed out very quickly for a number one pick. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot in that 2013 draft in terms of the way it was scouted. Uh, but still, Anthony Bennett taking number one overall. I mean, that's just a, a god-awful, terrible, all-time bad pick that, you know, could be similar to what we see with uh, Anthony Edwards down the line, just saying. And then uh, our old boy, the Clippers' top pick in 98, Vince Carter, Dirk Nowinski, Paul Pierce, even Antoine Jameson, who everybody loved in the late 80s, or excuse me, the late 90s. But nope, the Clippers said, oh, you know what? Here's a seven-foot guy from the University of Pacific. That's right, University <laughs> of Pacific. Michael, all of them, I'm going to steal all your mama's candy. Just uh, the, the candy man, the candy man was one of the worst players to come out and be a number one overall pick. I mean, look, you, you just can't take the number one pick, can't play at the University of Pacific. It's just, it's as simple as that. That should have been your red flag. You shouldn't have even looked past that. Oh, here's a good looking seven footer, University of Pacific. Nope, off the list. I mean, he just was awful. And I know the way the Clippers looked at it. They thought they could mold him into an NBA player because the dude didn't start playing basketball until he was 18 years old. The first time he played organized basketball, he was 18. He should have stopped at 19. He was a terrible NBA player. The Candyman will go down in history as, as the biggest bust in uh, probably of all time. Whew. Wow. The Clippers definitely do have a long history of making some terrible decisions, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's in their <laughs> DNA. It's in their DNA, and it'll probably continue. That's probably why they just can never make the finals ever again. All right, so I'll name my All-NBA draft bus. And, you know, I'm going to start off by saying I feel personally attacked because I did throw in a player in Greg Oden, who I know was a draft bus because of his injuries. But, you know, he was still a bus. He was still a yeah. bus. Um, I, I, I kind of thought about that one myself Robbie because it like it wasn't like a freak injury like he was known to be an injury plagued guy so take that for what you will yeah I mean he he did have a good season in Miami during the uh, 2013-2014 season which was LeBron's last season there but uh you know it's it's unfortunate obviously that his career didn't pan out because you know Everybody had really high expectations for him. Um, and, you know, as you know, he was drafted with the first pick in the 2007 draft to Portland out of Ohio State. My next All-NBA draft bust, Dragon Bender from Maccabi Tel Aviv, who was drafted by the Suns with the fourth pick in the 2016 draft. Uh, sounds like Phoenix thought that he would be the next Kristaps Porzingis, which, you know, I know uh, both of you kind of alluded to uh, that teams do this with international players. They see one international prospect that turns out to do really well, and, you know, they kind of set that expectation for others, not knowing that not all of them are going to pan out. Um, and he didn't play for the, you know, he didn't play terrible for the Warriors this past season. 
He uh, actually had a game where he scored 23 points and 7 rebounds on 8 of 12 shooting versus the Clippers in March before the season got suspended. But uh, it seems like he's out of the league now. He's back in Israel. Um, So I guess the Warriors aren't keeping him. Uh, Curious to see if maybe, you know, injuries cause uh, another team to pick him up later on in the season. We will see. Next bust is Josh Jackson, drafted by... (laughs) The Suns again with the fourth pick in the next draft in 2017. Um, he was a reclamation project for the Grizzlies, uh, which is where he ended up. Um, he appeared in 22 games this season, averaging just nine points. Um, he had a very minimal role in the bubble, but you know he is a guy who could bring a defensive presence to whatever team he signs with next season. So maybe there's still time for him to shake the the bust title off, but. We don't know that yet, so up until now, he is a bust for me. Uh, next guy I got is Mario Hazonia from Croatia, who was drafted by the Orlando Magic in the 2015 draft. Um, I bet Chevy will probably agree with this pick. And, you know, I, this is another guy who I think was a victim of circumstance. I think that the Magic kind of screwed up here with him, too. Um, he had to play under two different coaching staffs in his first two seasons, and he seemed to get buried in lineups, which prevented him from getting consistent minutes. And, well, I mean, when the Magic declined his fourth-year option, he bolted. And uh, he hasn't done much since, but, you know, I wonder what he would have been able to do if he had a little more consistency early on in his career. Uh, my last uh, All-NBA draft bus is going to be Jaleel Okafor from Duke who was drafted by the Sixers with the third pick in the 2015 draft. Um, I think this was against Sam Hankey's wishes. He wanted Kristaps Porzingis, but Sixers ownership wanted this guy. And well, Sixers ownership is not the greatest, and they've proven that. Um, uh, Okafor was a big guy who was missing an outside shot. And, you know, if you look at guys like Kristaps and, and Nikola Jokic, for example, uh, and their games, you, you realize that, you know, obviously the the game for big guys has really uh, evolutionized. Uh, big guys nowadays, they need to shoot effectively from the perimeter. And, you know, you throw that in with his lack of passing ability, his lack of versatility on the defensive end. Uh, yeah, you're bound to be a bust. So that, that rounds up my all-NBA draft bust team. Uh, I think we all had some pretty solid lineups. I'm sorry that I threw in Greg Oden. (laughs) I guess I will think that through next time. But um, all right. So that kind of rounds out this episode of the Shooter Pass podcast. Do any of you have any shout outs? Uh, I shouted out my wife before. So uh, shout out again. (laughs) Love you, baby. (laughs) Aw. No, shout out to shout out to all my content that's on baselinetimes.com. You can go read that. That's all on there. And it's good stuff too. Much better than you're gonna see anywhere else. I love the shameless plugs. Well, you know what? Let, let's both of you plug your socials. Uh, tell us about anything you got coming up. Sure. Uh, at Pod Northeast on Twitter. It's the best way. Um, yeah, we still we still have the uh, the poor QB fantasy league coming out every week. So that's uh, as as the name suggests, uh, basically a fantasy league for bad quarterbacks for kind of reverse of of a typical fantasy league we award points for uh, interceptions and fumbles and also bad behavior off the field so uh, it's a fun league come and check us out play along 
And uh, other than that, all sorts of college football and basketball content coming at you. Yep, my Twitter handle is Cody underscore Gwen. We got all kinds of draft stuff continuing. Uh, done with this draft. I've had to kind of get a belt and tie it around the chair and lock myself into the chair just to continue to focus on this draft. But now I'm pumped to get to actually talk about the 2021 draft. And I'll have my first big board for 2021 coming out this weekend. And then finally, we'll be able to start talking about actual current day college basketball starting next week as the college basketball season for most teams that aren't currently quarantined because a lot of them are obviously starting to get quarantined already uh, but college basketball for the most part does begin next Wednesday you got any UFC content coming up too yeah, we do. Once uh, the new must starts, we'll have some new content. Of course, uh, Conor McGregor's next fight got finalized today, so we'll have some more stuff coming out about that. Then two title fights this weekend as both the uh, men and women's flyweight title on the line Saturday. So we'll have some stuff on there about that. Wrote an article uh, this past week that's on there for any of our fight fans about Rafael Dos Anjos. Got a chance to watch that fight this past weekend. We got all sorts of stuff there. So, of course, as we uh, the UFC starts to slow down usually around the holidays, but once January gets here, we'll have a lot more stuff on there with some actual some interviews coming out too. We have some fighter interviews of guys who are currently in the UFC or right on the cusp of getting in the UFC. And those are coming out in December as well. So we got plenty of things on the horizon. Make sure you check it all out. BaselineTimes.com is where you can find all of the content these guys are putting out for us. Uh, not just NBA content, but college football and basketball content and UFC content as well. Uh, on my end, well, the only shout out I have, it'll be a really quick one to Netflix for putting the Dave Chappelle show on there because I love the Dave Chappelle show and now I'm getting to watch it in order from season one and that's fantastic. And as you all know, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Robin Hood with an H and a Y. Don't forget to check us out at Baseline Times on Instagram and Twitter. As I mentioned before, BaselineTimes.com. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, the Ghana app. Anywhere you get your podcast, we'll be on there. And I'll see if I can get a hold of Chevy and Gabe and come back to you guys early next week to break down all of this free agency madness. Bye, guys.